0: would take your Bibles, and let's turn to Psalm 119. Uh, This morning, we want to look at the final segment of Psalm 119, although our plans will now to come back next Sunday, Lord willing, and take one last look at Psalm uh, 119. But for this morning, we want to begin reading at verse 169 and read through 176. It's on page... 516, I believe. If you would like to use a Bible from the pew, you could grab one in front of you. Either way, Psalm 119, beginning at verse 169. These are God's words for us this morning, and here's what God says. "'Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word.'" Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise. For you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word. For all of your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I Do not forget your commandments. You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. There is no word like your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us, that you have revealed yourself and your ways to us through your word. Father, now by the same Holy Spirit who helped pen these words, And preserve these words for us. May that same Holy Spirit be present with us this morning, we pray. Opening our eyes, enabling us to see and to understand. And yet present with us that we might be changed by this very word. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 176 verses. Each and every verse, in one way, shape, form or another, underscore to us something of the functional and practical value of God's word in the life of a follower of Christ. One seventy-six verses. Uh, 22, eight verse units at a time show to us from one emphasis or one aspect or one angle or another how pertinent and how needed and how treasured and how sufficient God's Word is for us. This particular unit, this closing unit, is oriented with strong notes of pleading, prayers of Pleading now, all but four of the 176 verses are framed in the in the in the trajectory of prayer conversation to God, and and yet some of those prayers are prayers of pleading for help, pleading to be heard, and, and that's really um, the the orientation, the emphasis of of these last eight verses. Such an interesting and intriguing way to kind of close it out and to wrap it up. This, this pleading that the psalmist is, is offering up to God is found in the two subunits of these eight verses. Verses 169 to 172 uh, reflect, uh, or present us with a pleading that reflects the worthiness of our Lord. And then the second subunit, verses 173 to 176, uh, offer to us a pleading that reflects the waywardness of our lives. Let's look at these one at a time. Beginning at verse 169, we see something of this pleading, and we see how this pleading reflects the worthiness of our Lord first part of 169 the first part of 170 these two verses start with an earnest a real a genuine even if you would a desperate pleading let my cry come before you O Lord in verse 170 let my plea come before you the psalmist as he is as he is, Pleading to the Lord, he is convinced that the Lord is dependable. That's that's why the Lord is worthy. He is dependable. But out of that conviction of the Lord's worthiness, that that translates into his soul that, that the Lord is dependable. The Lord is worthy in his dependableness. Thus, I should plead to him in my trouble. Lord, hear me. Lord, hear me. The psalmist has this conviction. Oh, it's a wonderful conviction. It's a a gracious conviction. It's a conviction. What do you mean by gracious? It's, It's implanted in his heart by the Lord himself. That the Lord is willing to have his people cry out to him. The Lord is not aloof. the Lord has had these words written down for us so that we could see something of his plan. What do I do when the bottom drops out of my life? What do I do when troubles come? What do I do when I'm overwhelmed by this world in which I'm living in? I know my father is willing for me to ask him for help. Isn't that a sweet conviction? It's a conviction that's not just theoretical, it's a conviction that plays itself out with him then saying, let my cry come before you. Let my plea come before you. The psalmist is is really doing nothing more than laying hold of the very covenantal promises that God has made to each and every one of his children. All who belong to Jesus, all who have turned from themselves and turned from rigging their own life in their own way, and all who have turned to trust and follow in the Lord Jesus Christ, now has God. The very God who spoke all things into existence. The very God who holds all things together in His hands. This very God, the only one true God, this very God is now our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He's now our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. All who belong to Jesus have God as our Father. And that's not an irrelevant, nice piece of religious trivia trivia, that the psalmist is folding away and tucking for some time later. No, no, this is relevant to him on this day, his day of trouble, that he's actually able to say, I know what I'll do. I'll talk to my Father. Uh, Father, let my cry come before you. Father, let my plea come before you. He's convinced that the Lord is willing to be approached. that The Lord is willing to hear us. He's also convinced that the Lord is wise. The second parts of 169 and 170. Let my cry come before you, give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea, verse 170, come before you, deliver me according to your word. Lord, would you help me to understand? Lord, would you give me the wisdom, the insight, the knowledge as to what is going on? Do do you sometimes wonder, what is going on on this planet today? Why is the right side up and the upside down? Why is left right and right is left and right is wrong and wrong is right and I mean, Lord, it's like someone has switched the price tags on everything. It's just it is so discombobulated. Well, a a a, a primary response to what we see going on in this crazy world in which we live in is a simple prayer to our Father who holds all things together. Lord, would would you give me understanding? Lord, would you deliver me? Lord would, Lord, would you rescue me from what is going on? And Carl, Carl has read the end of the story earlier, and uh, we know that he will do good on that. He, he, he will rescue us ultimately, and, and yet that does not... Preclude that he wouldn't rescue us in, 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 in smaller, micro ways, in ways that are present even here and now. We, we know that he is willing. We know that he is wise. And so so it is, it is not bothersome to him for his children to say, Lord, help me to know what's going on around here. And Lord, deliver me, aid me, rescue me from what is going on around here. And, and yet he prefaces all of that, those, those two requests in 169 and 170. Do you see what modifies Lord, give me understanding, and Lord, rescue me according to your word, according to your word. It is the very Word of God that teaches us that God wants to be called upon. It is the very Word that teaches us that God is is willing uh, to hear us when we call upon Him. And it is the the very Word of God that teaches us how to even pray for such things. The psalmist is saying in these first four verses, as he's pleading uh, to the Lord, he's saying, Lord, give me your ear. And Lord, according to Your word, give me understanding. Lord, according to Your word, rescue or deliver me. And then He says in verses one seventy one and one seventy two, the first segments of each of those verses. In, in a, I would suggest to you, in anticipation of knowing that the Lord will hear and answer his prayers for understanding and for rescue. He says, verse 171, my lips will pour forth praise. 172, the first part, my tongue will sing of your word. Isn't that a sweet confidence, Lord? Lord, b- b- before understanding has even come my way, before deliverance has ever come my way, yet, Lord, I am confident of you. I am confident of your willingness. I am confident of your wisdom. I am confident of your um, your ability. I am I- confident of your loving care. And so as sure as I pray and ask for aid and help in these ways, I can turn right around and praise You and exalt You. Lord, I, 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 I know in advance You are worthy. That's why I'm pleading to You to begin with. I know that You are worthy. You are worthy that when I cry out to You, You hear me and You provide to me in accordance with Your Word what you deem I need for this moment. In fact, I would suggest that, that the two things he's prayed for, give me understanding and the first part of one sixty-second part of 169, and, and deliver me, and the second part of, of, of 170 correspond with how he concludes verses 170. 1 and 172. My lips will pour pour forth praise for you will teach me your statutes. You will give me that understanding that I've I've asked for. I I know you'll give it to me because you've already written it down for me. You've, you've, You've given me the understanding that I need to pray to you for understanding and you've written down the understanding that you want me to have from your word. So my lips will pour forth praise because as sure as I realize I need understanding, you've said, here, it's an open book test. All the understanding you want and need is contained here in these words. And then he says in 172, for all your commandments are right. I'd suggest that corresponds with, um, deliver me according to your word. Deliver me. Lord, Lord um, deliver me according to your word and your commandments are right. In other words, however which way you deliver me. Um, whenever you deliver me, however you deliver me, whichever way you deliver me, guess what? Lord, I'm saying it's right. So I'm already praising you. Now, the Lord does not promise to rescue... Or aid us as we deem it's right for him to rescue or aid us. I mean, I'm not saying it's not permissible for you to lay that before the Lord. Lord, rescue me, and here's my thoughts on how you should do that. I don't think the Lord is bothered by that. Uh, but, but I think that the Lord has far more understanding and wisdom than we oftentimes give Him credit for. He has far more goodness than we oftentimes are willing to acknowledge before Him. And however which way, whenever which way, uh, uh, and where, wherever which way He wishes to deliver us, He's right. He's right. And the psalmist says, And since I had that conviction about him, I'm going to go ahead and praise him right now. Now, this is not asking you and I to be detached from the hurt and the pain of our reality this is, this is not asking us to, 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 um, to deny reality. We're, we're, when the bottom's dropped out and our hearts are hurting because of the, we're overwhelmed by our situation. It's, it's, it's not asking us to detach from reality, to offer praise to God even while we are awaiting His deliverance. It's not a detachment from reality, for as sure as we can feel the acute pain of that which we need to be delivered from, we nevertheless are convinced of the worthiness of our Lord and the trustworthiness of our Lord. He has delivered us, and He will deliver us, and He will deliver us yet still again. Second thing that I think these verses, still continuing the tread of pleading to the Lord, but he shifts the, the orientation of that pleading. He pleads to the Lord because um, of the worthiness of the Lord, and he pleads to the Lord because of the waywardness of his own life. Let's begin to make our way through the second part, verses one seventy. Three to 176. He, he, he resumes the pleadings again uh, in, in, in this uh, segment, 173 and 175. Two more pleadings are laid down. He says, uh, let your hand be ready to help me. Or he says um, in 175, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. Whereas in the first segment, the orientation was, Lord, hear me. Now he's He's narrowing that. Lord, help me. Lord, you've given me your ear. Now, Lord, give me your hand. Let your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. Lord, I, I'm appealing to you because I belong to you. I'm living in covenant with you. Let my soul uh, uh, live and praise you. He, in other words, he returns back to these notes of praise that he's developed in that first segment. And, and yet, w- what I want us to hone in on, in particular for the remaining of our moments together, is, is uh, what he says in 174 and 176. It's almost almost has a feel of, of, uh, of two opposite sounding realities that, that the psalmist is expressing. Look at 174. I long for your salvation, and your law is my delight. Do you see where the where the psalmist's heart is here? Do you see something of the internal operation that's going on? It, it's just, Lord, what I long for more than anything is everything that your word says. Lord, it is your word that thrills my heart. I, 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 my, my heart leaps and finds great delight in what you say to me in and through your word. And then notice what he says in 176, though. It's like, huh? Is this the same guy? Two verses later, he's like changed his mind. I long for your salvation, for your law is my delight. Then he says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandment. Uh, here's a guy who expresses his... Devotion and delight in the Lord and and for his word, who nonetheless completes his prayer of pleading to the Lord, acknowledging that he is still a man in need of aid. Even though he delights greatly in the Lord even though he longs for the Lord and for the Lord's salvation, he understands a thing or two about himself. He's still capable of a waywardness. He still has probable cause to suspect a wonderingness. Honestly, I don't know if I would have wrote it this way. Now, you're thinking, well, that's a good thing. Uh, Since when did we put you in charge of writing the Bible? That's right. All right, all right. I hand it to you. I never made that claim, and nor do I feel like I'm qualified to make that claim. I'm just telling you uh, that this ends on uh, an odd note, if you would. At least on the surface, it ends on an odd note. I mean, most of some, look, let me back up do you realize that you and I only have two kinds of troubles? We have troubles outside of us and the world in which we live in, and we have troubles inside of us, the heart in which we live with. It's it's, it's, It's only two problems you and I have. The psalmist seems to have put a greater emphasis and weight on his need for the Lord to rescue him from his surroundings. Ever since the third eight-verse unit, beginning in verses uh, 21 and 22 and 23, he has, he has uh, brought it up again and again and again, uh, how he needed help and rescue and aid and deliverance from his Surroundings, the troubles outside of him, the troubles that's not him. He says in verse 23, princes sit plotting against me. He says that these princes in verse twenty-two they, they they issue scorn and contempt against him. He says in verse twenty-one that these princes who sit plotting against him with a scorn and contempt are insolent. They are accursed ones. They are ones who wander from the commands of God. Isn't that an interesting tag? Lord, I've got a problem, and the problem is those people out there who have no regard for your law. Lord, I have a problem, and, and, and those, those people out there who have a disregard for your law, they seem to have it in for me. Lord, help me, from, uh, f- deliver me, aid me it, it, uh, from the troubles outside of me. And that's been a strong theme and strong note throughout this psalm. So, in that sense, it's weird that all of a sudden, at the very end, his last shot, uh, he, he focuses not on the troubles outside of him from which he needs deliverance, but he ends on the note of, Lord, oh, help me. Help me from the troubles that still reside within me. Lord, I, I don't need any external enemies to cause me to go astray like a lost sheep. Now, they certainly are willing to help me to do that, but I don't need their help. I'm perfectly able to do that on my own. I have, I have an inwardness about me that gives me my own penchant for and proclivity to, a, a, a wondering from your law and a waywardness from you. Has he talked about this up to this point? Yes, he has it 's not been the loud megaphone of the trouble is outside of me, but nonetheless he has introduced us to this note that he acknowledges from the get-go that as sure as there are troubles outside of him that he needs aid and deliverance, there's something inside of him. But what do he say in verse nine? How can a young man keep his way pure or he says in in verse 10, let me not wander from your commands. It's interesting. That's the same thing he says is wrong with the people outside of him. These people wander from your commands. And, and as sure as he says that that's their problem, he says, "And Lord, I kind of got that problem too. Come to think of it. Come to think of it. the The, the world is not simply comprised of those who oppress and those who are oppressed. Come to think of it, um, the world is comprised of who's going to get the upper hand on who to, so that who can be the oppressor and not the oppressed. As it turns out, if you switch, switch roles, that, that, those who were formerly oppressed will become oppressors in a heartbeat if given the opportunity. As sure as you and I are, rightly so, we are saddened by and even disgusted by how we see people have a disregard and a waywardness toward God and to his word. We ought to have a sobriety about us, that but for the grace of God. And I don't mean this as a trite little religious cliche, but for the grace of God, that they are just simply demonstrating what I'm capable of doing as well. So he has been concerned not only about being delivered from the external search situation around him, but he has been from the get-go very concerned about deliverance from the internal mess that still resides within him. So he says things like verse 28, strengthen me. He says things like verse 31, let me not be put to shame. He, he says things like verse 36, Incline my heart. In other words, step in and keep me from going there. I, I will wander on my own inclination, but Lord, incline my heart that away, not a disaway. He says in verse one, six, in verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. He said, oh, Lord, here I go. I was wandering. I was going astray like a lost sheep. And your good hand laid a layer of affliction on me. And and that turned me around. Lord, thank you for that. He prays in verse 80, May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. You see, the psalmist has spent a lot of time and spoken very clearly and emphatically about the troubles outside of him, his oppressors. But he's also been very clued in on how his oppressors actually draw out of him what still resides within him, a penchant for waywardness, a proclivity to still wonder. You see, but he's the guy who delights in the law of God. He's the guy who longs for uh, the Lord's salvation. You see? Yeah, isn't it a bit of a crazy tension There's a sense in which nothing will mess up the clarity of our lives quite like the Lord moving into our hearts. In other words, without the Lord in our lives, it's pretty clear and pretty simple. We are heading in a trajectory toward hell, and we we are bound in sin, and and we don't really understand the full extent to our troubles. And then the Lord comes, and He opens our eyes. He changes our hearts. By His Spirit, He moves in. And all of a sudden, we are now in touch with reality. And that is, there is an acute conflict going on in this world between light and darkness and the and the and much of the very battleground of the struggle between light and darkness is unfolding right there in the middle of each of our hearts so much so that Paul would say these words in Romans 7 for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And then he says in verse 22 and following. This is, this is very psalmist-like, if you would. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But. But. I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. You know what Paul's saying? I'm a mess. I mean, I've always been a mess. I just didn't realize I'm a mess. I've always been, been bound captivity to sin. I just didn't realize it in all of my busy religious hubra. Activity. It says in verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? How often do you think that? And ask that question? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? from this body of death? Is that just a a past glimpse of a former prayer concept? Or do you feel the need for that question to be asked in your heart and soul today? Oh, wretched man and woman that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's a great question to ask each and every day, because you know what? There is a great answer to that question. Thanks be to God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then I serve the law of God with my mind, but I serve, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. But thanks be to God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a day that you and I don't need help from Jesus to deal with the problems outside of us. But there's not a day that you and I don't need help from the Lord to deal with the residual remaining problems that still linger within us. Guess what? He helps us. Father... Thank you for the Lord and for his goodness to us, to rescue us from all our sin, from all our suffering. We're thankful that our Lord is a faithful Savior, that our Lord is a competent and capable Savior, that our Lord, in fact, is the one who saves us to the uttermost. Father, we know that one day you will deliver us from every external difficulty that surrounds us. We've already read about it. One day there will be no more things like tears or sorrow or sin. We will live in a new heavens and a new earth. And Lord, and yet we know on this day that while we still reside with problems around us, we still exist with problems within us. And to that, Father, we look to you. Deliver us. Help us. Give us understanding. Give us deliverance. For we praise you for being a God worthy. You are more worthy to help us than we are waywardly in need of your help. Thank you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. If you're able, let's stand and sing this song together.